0: Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today, and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. Good morning!
1: Good morning! This, this is exciting. Uh, I met Pastor Rick online, and then he, they, I met him in person, and he invited me to the church. And then last month I had to, my flights got messed up, and I, I had to switch it and then he was gracious enough to offer me another date so thank you for having me oh, man, I love this church I mean look, look around we got the United Nations here yeah. Yeah. we got white, black, brown, Asian, Pacific, Islander we got a little bit of everybody here. Yeah. Yeah. that's heaven right there we yeah. got we got my sister May she's Micronesian Yes. For some of you don't know how to greet a Micronesian, it's easy. You give him a microwave. <laughs> See what I did there? Microwave. The jokes gonna get better. Don't worry, bro. You're judging me over there. He's like that wasn't funny. <laughs> I got custom jokes, brother Rick. Uh, that was. I'm glad we sent the kids out of the room. That was a. Uh, that was hip. It was hip without the hop, but he was rapping. <laughs> yeah. In English and in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> Took it to a whole nother level. That's right. Give me another round of applause. Yeah, yeah. I like a church that has coffee. Nobody has to bring a little water, but they said coffee. You know, I, some people like coffee. I love coffee. I used to work with Brother Garland. Right here in American Canyon, and, uh, and this is where Pastor Rick worked later on, over at uh, New Vine Logistics. And I quit, because they wouldn't let me have coffee.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was the only warehouse supervisor that had a desk in the warehouse. Everybody else sat in the office, and they had coffee. And I put my coffee on my desk, and they said, you can't do that, because you're around some expensive wine. I said, um, you don't realize how much I like coffee. And in the meeting, this, I'll get to some jokes, this is just a story about how I met Garvin. Um, In the staff meeting, I brought it up, um, I should be able to have coffee. And the, my supervisor said, not open for discussion. So then I went back to my desk, and I gave him a two-week notice, and you ever talk to yourself and get mad about something as you talk to yourself? I ain't waiting for two weeks to have coffee. <laughs> so I rewrote the letter and gave him a two hour notice. And I said, in two hours, you better notice that I ain't here no more. And they called back the next day and gave me a $3,000 raise and said, come back to work. Yeah. Then they fired me two months later. It's all good. That was the point that that <laughs> part. <laughs> I can preach on that, you better pick your battles. Anyway, well, it's good to be here. I, I, I praise the Lord, I was at a, a fundraiser in Calusa, that's about an hour and a half from here, last night for a little boy with uh, leukemia, got to do that, got home at one o'clock in the morning, and we got up early to go to our home church in Fairfield, we live in, the, we live in Richmond, uh, Al Cibrante, but uh, I call it East Richmond. That's like American Canyon ain't nothing but North Vallejo, but you know. (laughs) That's what they do when they put a new neighborhood in a bad community, they go, we're going to change the name. We're going to trick everybody. We'll call this American Canyon. (laughs) So, uh, did did you mention I'm a comedian? Because sometimes I go to a church and they forget that I'm a comedian and I start joking. And then people are looking at the Bible going, I don't see these scriptures."
0: So <laughs> <laughs> exciting things happening right now. Um,
1: I, I lost 20 pounds left. Yeah. I had to. Yeah. Now some of you are looking at me going, well, he's not even that big for a Mexican. But <laughs> you got to understand, I'm the smallest person in a huge family. My mom was the oldest of nine. My grandfather was the oldest of 12. And i was the smallest person. My freshman year in high school, Berkeley High, I was five foot two and I weighed 75 pounds. I was wow. the littlest kid in Berkeley High. So when I hit 200 pounds last year, the doctor was like, this isn't good for you. And I was like, well, I'll go running. And he said, you can't even run.
0: <laughs>
1: when did I get to the point where I can't exercise? He said, you got to start slow. You need to start with 25 crunches a day. Man, that's
0: a lot of chocolate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is a joke, bro. You waiting for the good ones, you're missing this... <laughs> I joke about losing weight, but I really did lose 20 and people are like, ah, that's no big deal. You understand, I was so small when I was a kid, but I had this big head. But this head looks normal on my body now, but this was the size of my head when I was two. (laughs) They x-rayed my head. My mom, this is back in a long time ago. This is back before the 70s. I was a hell long ago. Uh, But they x-rayed my head because they thought there was something wrong with me. My head, I had that little body with this big head. Everybody teased me my whole childhood. I remember going to elementary school, and nobody wanted to race me. They're like, "Nah, he's gonna get a head start. I hated Jack in the Box, that's all I'm saying. Every time a Jack in the Box commercial came on, somebody would tease me. There's your real dad. Mom, dad's my real dad. My teachers thought I was East Indian. Because I would walk around in my and my head would go, oh my God, God. <laughs> So I'm proud to be some I got to perform, uh, I got to do 36 shows at the North Dakota State Fair. Nine days, normally they book an act for two or three days and then they move in and bring in another act. But they booked me for the whole run of the State Fair. Uh, I was in North Dakota. My career was on fire.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. One thing I learned about North Dakota those nine days up there was that people stay married forever. Yeah. Every show there'd be one or two couples that had these 50 years of marriage. Four times during that nine-day period, there were couples with over 60 years of marriage, wow. Wow. and the record was 64. And that couple, they came to three of my shows. They got a kid. It was an outdoor show, you don't know, little tent or the stage and then the people sitting in the bleachers and this couple they came to the fair every day and three times they came to see me perform and every time I said who's been married you know they got a kick out of it. 64 years and finally the third time I said sir how'd you make it last 64 years we haven't spoke since Vietnam
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> my wife and kids are here with me uh, Two of my kids, I have six kids, but two of my, two of my kids are with me. Uh, my wife, I, I do a joke normally where I talk about I've been married 21 years and people clap and I say, three wives, and they're what? And then people judge me. Wife number three is wife number one. We were together. God put us back together. We were divorced for 23 years. The Lord put us back together. Yes. Yeah. I had to go see the marriage counselor at my church, so he wanted to talk to me before we got married again. He said, he you want to see people like look you in the eye? I don't like people like that. <laughs> he leaned across his desk and leaned in and said, why do you want to remarry her? I said, because I miss half my son. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like that joke. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you were broke when I left. <laughs> <laughs> God it's good to good. Have my kids here with me. Two my kids, They're the ones that live at home still. Uh, my daughter. She's a straight A student. <laughs> she made varsity cheerleader as a sophomore. Wow. You know, see, the women are like, "Wow." But Pat, you felt my pain right yeah. there, Pat. You know. Now the boys keep asking her out, and I'm old school. I don't let her date. Good. good. But I said, I let even my brother said I'm too hard on her. What's, what's the right age to let her date? She just turned 17. What's the right age to let her date? 23. I like it. That's a good answer. 35. I like it. Yes, 35. I like 35. I like it. <laughs> brother right here with the tie. I'm looking handsome. Mm-hmm. What's the right age that my young teenage daughter
0: date? Hancor. <laughs> 15. That's <laughs> where
1: yeah, so you get your wisdom from, Brother Rick. <laughs> I told her 33. I said, you can date when you're 33. Jesus never went on a date. You outlived the Lord, you could go on a date. <laughs> well, my son, I make fun of him. That, that boy right there, if you have a problem with your computer or your TV, that boy just looks at it like he has special gifts. He can fix it. No instructions. But I don't know if the boy's going to make it. <laughs> he thinks he's smarter than me. Who has a teenager that
0: thinks they're smarter than you? Oh. <laughs>
1: he tried to trick me. I'm glad he's smarter than me with computers and stuff like that. But he tried to, he thinks he has more street smart than me. For Christmas, I'll give you an example. For Christmas, a couple years ago, he tried to trick me by making me like he was humble. How are you going to face humility? I'm sitting at my desk and he comes into the room and he put his head down. Like he was being humble. And he hands me a little piece of paper and he says, This is all I want from Christmas, Dad. Touch my heart. My boy looking out for my wallet. I take that little piece of paper and I unfold it. It was a full sheet of paper. Ten video games. The boy listed. This is all I want, Dad. You know video games are sixty dollars a piece plus tax. I said, Son, I'm not that (laughs) funny. I reached over and I got his report card and I handed it back and said, son, this is all you deserve. (laughs) The boy had a D in English at that time. It was his progress report. He had a D in English. That's the only language you speak. How did you almost love talking? (laughs) It's a joke, son. Okay. He's like, (laughs) I brought it up to a seatbelt. (laughs) Okay. I fluent Spanish. <laughs> I did my teacher didn't like me. Every, that's why I understand when kids, like school is easy to my daughter. She's a little nerd. She studies. My son, he plays football. He wrestles. He led the East Bay Athletic League in high fives last year. <laughs> He didn't make a tackle, he didn't touch the ball, but he high fived everybody. <laughs> my Spanish teacher, when I was in school, didn't like that my name was Dennis. He, he, was, he was from Mexico City, Mr. Martinez was from Mexico City, and he was mad that I was in Sp- I'm Mexican, I'm Mexican and Puerto Rican. And he was like, You're Latino, and you don't speak Spanish. And your name is Dennis. There are no Mexicans named Dennis. He changed my name in the middle of the semester. He called me Benito for the rest of the semester. And then I had enough points for a C. You know it was one of the classes where every homework assignment you got points, your quizzes, you got points, your tests, and you had to get a certain amount of points to get a grade. I had enough points for a C and he gave me a D minus which was an F in my book. I was like, how, how are you going to give me a D minus? I got no points for a C. He's like, you should have did better. You're Mexican. <laughs> I said, you should have known better. I'm American. And I called immigration. When <laughs> <laughs> they picked him up, I said, bye, Felicia. <laughs> There's truth in each one of these stories. You got to figure out what's true and what's a bad <laughs> Growing up I got called an ethnic slur every day by today's standards. I think my generation was tougher. If you're over 40, we were a lot tougher. 40 and nowadays these kids are just so sensitive about everything. I got by today's standards, I got called an ethnic slur every day. Me and my brother from junior high through high school. And it wasn't by a white guy. Everybody thinks, oh, they're be black. No, it, it, everybody can have prejudices. But it was funny back then. And it was by one of my good cool friends who happened to be black. Kenny Washington would see me and my brother walking to school. He would call me Taco and my brother Sauce. <laughs> Kenny thought that was hilarious. What's up, Taco? What's up, Sauce? Taco Sauce. <laughs> I didn't get mad. I didn't file a complaint. I didn't need a comfort dog. I thought about it. A taco is a tortilla. Filled with delicious ingredients. Amen. How Amen. did Kenny know that about us? <laughs> 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 I'm a PK, I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher. Did Daddy, did here? Oh, can we over here? No, oh, yeah. <laughs> My dad was a cool preacher because he didn't grow up in church. He grew up on the streets of Oakland. He was a thug first. <laughs> he went from being a thug to being a boxer for being a boxer. To in the boxing ring that he saw the light. He <laughs> said, I'm getting whooped, help me, Lord. You never have to worry about my dad preaching too long. If he ever preach too long, he would just ring the bell. Ding! And he'd go sit down in the corner. <laughs> the boxers, when they ring the bell, they would say, if I have to explain these jokes, it's going to be an all-day revival, huh? That's all right. i retired from the Air Force, I'm blessed, I, got, I was young and I got to retire. Any military veterans here? Yeah. What, what branch, brother? Army. Army. Give it up for our Army veterans. <laughs> we got <in> front. at <laughs> the, the Air Force? Awesome. The coolest thing you got, what, what branch, brother? Army. Army. You guys are in the real military. <laughs> I did 20 years in the Air Force, I was this close to being in the military. <laughs> <laughs> You don't realize how tough you are until you get out of the Air Force. You get out of the Air Force, you got to go to the VA with all the other veterans, the soldiers and the Marines, the sailors there. The day I was there, I see an old Marine limp by he goes, Vietnam, took a bullet. I see an Army soldier go by, he goes, Gulf War, Shrapnel. I'm standing there with the wrist brakes. <laughs> U.S. Air Force, cargo Tunnel, email, O5. Okay. That's all I got. Twenty years. And I really heard it. Don't <laughs> I said that about the military. Last year, the coolest thing I got to do was I got to go do to forty-four shows for the Air Force. The East Coast to the West Coast, to the of the troops, and that was awesome. First show they, the first base they sent us to was
0: uh,
1: in Lockland, Texas. It's a border town. And when the Air Force called up, they said you can land in San Antonio and drive six hours. Or you can fly into Mexico right across the border. There's an airport, you'll land 30 minutes later, you'll be at the base. Man, I know it's set up when I see one. (laughs) You ain't getting rid of me that easy. (laughs) So we drove six hours. And An hour away from the base, we're in Texas. We never went into Mexico. We're in Texas, and we got stopped at an immigration checkpoint. Who's been stopped at a checkpoint before? Immigration checkpoint? Pastor, I, I guarantee you, Pastor, me were a little more nervous than <laughs> <laughs> you. They're like, Blonde, keep on going." <laughs> I told the other comedians, "Just be cool. I got this." I roll the window down to the rental car, and the immigration officer comes up and goes, "Excuse me, are you a Jewish citizen?" Are Jew a Jewish (laughs) citizen? Then we went to Albuquerque, New Mexico. That was the the next base, the Air Force base, around the outskirts of Albuquerque, and we were there during the hot air balloon festival. That's the largest hot air balloon festival. Next to Napa, that's the second biggest one in the country. Albuquerque has the biggest festival. But the day we were there, they, they, we, they gave us a tour of the base and they told us, don't take any pictures. What you doing, bro? Put your phone down and join the service. I'll get you a DVD.
0: I'm
1: <laughs> I got ADV. I look and I see a light. I'm like, what the trunk. I, I wouldn't always say it was a spotlight on me. I think it's cops. Got to be nervous about that. <laughs> They're giving us a tour of the base, and they told us no pictures. There's research and development. But hot air balloons were floating over the base. The day we were there, two balloons accidentally landed on the base. That's the federal offense. You need to have permission to go on a military installation. These are rich people. Nobody got arrested. They just escorted them off the base. I witnessed this and got on the phone called my uncle in Mexico. I was like, "Dude, there's no way to get in." <laughs> and they can't build a wall big enough for this one. <laughs>
0: That'll
1: make the president mad. Huh? What do you mean they're floating over the wall? <laughs> I get into politics. I get my political views from my grandfather, a very wise old man from was León, Mexico. I went up to my grandpa one day said, "Grandpa, what do you think about a woman's right to choose?" He said, "Mijo, everyone should wear shoes." <laughs> <laughs> That's my best joke. He didn't laugh yet. As Christians, is to pray for the president. Yes. The scripture yes. teaches us that God appoints leaders, points teams, and he appoints If We don't have a king, we have a president. Right. So, the same way we prayed for President Obama, if you didn't pray for President Obama, shame on you. We need to pray that. Because in a scripture somewhere about making fun of the special. So, we shouldn't be making fun of the President Trump, we should be praying for him. Uh, they say he got saved. <laughs> Yeah. I believe it, because you know, especially the if they have teleprompter, when they just see this, I believe it, when he can quote the scriptures in Deuteronomy. Because he knows he can't say Deuteronomy. Like, it's in Judah. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. <laughs> Deuteronomy. Enough politics. <laughs> so, I'm excited today. I'm, May 12th, I'll be shooting my new special. I haven't shot a special. I did. I, did, I shot a special last year, 2016, or end of 2016, uh, or beginning of 2017. I shot a special in Utah in front of. 300 Mormons, yeah that was special, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was challenging because you could, they actually wrote me up for blasphemy. It's uh, on a video service run by the Mormons, it's called VidAngel uh, and uh, it's really good because they edit movies. They built the movies, they don't need the presidential criminal still. Okay, God bless. (laughs) That's when you're on the right. Okay, two down, four to go. I do have ADD, and I don't take drugs for it. I just get distracted real easy. So, um, Also, I shot this special up there, and it it was cool, but it was a challenge, because just by saying Jesus to them, that was blasphemy. So they wrote that on their, on their page. So you can filter what you don't want on their video service, stream service. You can say I don't want you to me, and any and anything that we don't like, you can filter it out. But uh they, they wrote me up for that I was like, I wasn't making fun of Jesus. I just said my you know, dad was a preacher. And uh, oh and the joke I did was that how my mom, my mom was old school Pentecostal. She she was raised, no matter what the problem was, she fed the blood of Jesus. Yeah. That's powerful, but there was times, like the pg e man came to turn off our power, and I was like, Mom, pg and here, she's like the blood of Jesus. I was like, he did not die for our bad credit, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> they did that joke on the special, and they wrote me up for blasphemy. <laughs> so now I'm doing a new gospel special, May 12th, so that's like... Uh, it could be at Liberty Church in Fairfield. That's the home church we attend. And they bless me with the opportunity to share with them. The special is called uh, Identity Check. Uh, because I really think that it's important. This is what the Lord put on me a few years ago. My mom, my mom passed six years ago. This week, it's been six years. And she didn't want to let me share at her funeral. She said I was going to make fun of her. And I was. But that's not the point uh, but the Lord put on my heart then about our identity because we have a big family and half of them aren't serving the Lord. And they used to serve the Lord, but a lot of them are straight. So I told her I want to talk about our heritage and our spiritual heritage. And that that word, and I pray, Lord, you know, change change the message if you want to change what He does. Everywhere I go, I talk about our identity in Christ. And I think it's so important for us as believers to understand who we are in Christ. Amen? Amen. That, that we see in the world today we see an identity crisis we have people that struggle um, because they don't know who they are 2015 now it's in three years uh, the woman of the year was a man they call him they call him Caitlyn now but I call him Bruce I guess to buy with him on it when he was the best athlete in the world now they, they changed his name you can't deny Use science to deny God and then use science to deny your gender. If you were born a man, you're a man. That's just That's sad. Sad. know. And so it just right. yeah. we just we, we see when you go out into town, you see young men that wear their pants right above their knees. They don't want to pull their pants up anymore. They say crime is higher. I say no, criminals are dumber. My generation who how to put a belt on so we run from the police. <laughs> <laughs> you know how hard it is to run to the cops and the feds <laughs> kids. Fathers don't know how to father anymore. Mothers don't know how to mother anymore. We see identity crisis in the world. Amen. But that's the way it's supposed to be. If you understand prophecy, that's what the scriptures say we would see at the end of end times. But the identity crisis that bothers me more is the identity crisis in the church. There are people that go to church faithfully. Every service, they're there. They go to Bible study. They pay their tithes. They give their offering. Yet, they struggle with who they are in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. In Christ. Paul, when I, as I studied this subject, I realized, uh, I, I read where Paul wrote in Christ or in him in the Lord he wrote that saying 160 times that's just in the New Testament 160 times so that would that, that, that should tell you how important it was for Paul and, and the Lord wanted us to understand, uh, us to understand that everything about our relationship with God is in Christ amen. Nineteen percent of people in the United States will experience depression. Over the past 40 years, suicide rates have increased by 60% worldwide. In the United States, an estimated 1.3 million people attempted suicide in 2016. We're the richest country in the world. We have the most modern tools and technology yet. Suicide. People wanting to end their lives has skyrocketed over our lifetimes. 1.3 million people. That, that's wow. v- basically, everybody in here probably knows somebody or is connected to somebody who had a relative that attempted suicide or took their own life. It tells you where we are. There's there's this identity crisis. A.W. told her, if, if, if you want a good author to read, it's really dead since the 60s, I think. But A.W. Tozer is a great author. If you want some good, good uh, books to read, some Christian, Christian literature, A.W. Tozer, he's my favorite author. Uh, he wrote, paraphrasing one of his most famous sayings was, Unless a man knows something about God, he can know nothing about himself. Amen. That right there is the essence of the identity crisis in the world and, so, and sometimes, sadly, an identity crisis we see in the church. We forget whose we are—not who we are, but whose we are. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. We serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's so important. That's your spiritual DNA. Because in, in America, as rich as we are, we're pretty shallow when it comes to our identity. You look around the room here; we got this multicultural group, and it's beautiful to have cultural pride. But you're more than just your culture. Right. Yeah. In the Bay Area, especially with two baseball teams, two football teams, three major colleges, we see rivalries during sports season. You know, I'm a I'm a Razor fan. Yeah, we'll <laughs> <laughs> Niners? Niners. They haven't nine, won nine, since the Mafia left, bro. But We're gonna play the Revolution. The group truck. See that right there, right from the <laughs> pool in the past, they'll start going at it. See how shallow we are, we identify, people that, that we see with money, they identify themselves with materialistic things, the fancy cars, the fancy house. I have worked with some of the biggest celebrities out of Hollywood, yeah, they were miserable. I got, last year I did three months on tour with Fluffy from so Gabriel Iglesias. He is one of the top three comedians in the world multi-millionaire, travels around the world for sold-out shows every time he goes on stage. He doesn't do theaters, he does arenas. So the three months I was on tour with him, every weekend there'd be 15, 16,000, 12,000 people. I, got, I never thought I would perform at the Oracle Arena. You know, right there in Oakland, I got to perform at Oracle, and then the next night performance in San Jose with a the shark plays. Like, whatever that means. that place is. Yet, he took me on tour because he needed a friend. Just a distance to him. He was public, so I'm not gossiping about it. He was public with his depression. Multi-millionaire. Movies, sold out shows around the world, yet not happy. I am preaching. It's hard to preach to a millionaire that has everything. Bright Hispanic seed. And then he asked me how he was separated from his wife. And he's like, how? How did you guys reconcile? How did you get back together? I right. just planted seed and we surrendered our past and we gave, yes. it to, we gave it to the Lord and He was able to heal us and that gave yes. us a future.
0: Amen! Amen. Yes. Amen. Yes.
1: So we, we have an understanding, uh, a shallow understanding of our identity in America, but as believers, we have, you know, sometimes too many believers want to get out of jail card free. We turn God into monopoly. I, I, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I won't go to hell. And you won't. If you accept Jesus as Savior, you won't. You won't go. You'll go to heaven. But you rob yourself of what God wants to do. You rob yourself of the identity that God has for you, the purpose he has for you, the destiny he has for you in your life. When, when you just kind of give to give enough of God and say, I'll accept you as my Savior, but I'm going to hold on to my past. It's easier to hold on to your past than it is to, to let your past go. Too many of us hold on to our past because that's our identity. Identity theft is like the, the 21st century crime. Everybody thinks, oh, it's a modern because of computers and technology. Identity theft started in the Garden of Eden. Right. What do they say? What's the devil's purpose? To rob, steal, kill, story mm-hmm. He started that in the Garden of Eden. That's right. So the purpose and the void that, that you you have in the uh, in your life because you're not living the purpose, you'll never be happy until you're living out the purpose God created amen. you for. Yes. Amen. Yes. amen yes. But it takes. Amen. amen. You, this we're just yeah. I have a, a relative uh, that allowed, raised in the church. Musicians, vocalists, that allow personal failure and hardship to define their life. The pastor's child raised in the church. Yet, we quote scripture from the front to the back of the Bible. Yet, because of personal failure, allowed that to define themselves until I'm, I'm saying gender. Uh, I got, I'm trying to make sure I say gender. Uh, I don't say the gender because it's going to be recorded next month and they'll see it. Wow, you're talking about me. Uh, <laughs> uh, allowed a divorce to define their life to the point where it physically crippled them. Divorced at 30, by the time they were 40, they were in a wheelchair. And secular doctors, medical doctors, like you got to let go of your anger. But the personal failure defined them until they were almost in their 60s. Then they learned about who they were in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. In Christ. Christ. When I said that we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'm glad some, some of my brothers and sisters got excited about that. When I go to African American churches, and if I say that right there, it's it's taught heavily in our Kojic churches because they, they understand the spiritual DNA. This is our heritage. We serve the God of Abraham, Amen. Isaac, and Jacob. It's Amen. important to understand that because then you understand that Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob, Jacob wrestled with God, his name was changed, to Israel. Israel had 12 sons. One of them was named Judah. And from the tribe of Judah comes a man named David. From David comes the lineage of both Mary and Joseph. From Mary comes a man named Jesus. And because of that spiritual life, That is your DNA. That is your spiritual DNA. When I say spiritual DNA, I like to say DNA. Defeat not allowed. Amen. Ephesians one, three says, every spiritual blessing in heaven is ours in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. Right. Who has every spiritual blessing in heaven? We do. We do. Amen. That's, that's right. right. I love the ones that, that, that raise their hands out of faith. That, that's a, so important to understand it. God, our Father, is a perfect gentleman. He will never pour something onto you that you don't give him room for. Yeah, Amen. So if you hold on to your past, Got you get out of jail free. I'm not going to hell, I accept that Jesus is Savior. But you hold on to your past. God is infinite, one by nine. You don't give him room in your heart to pour out the blessings he has for you. You're robbing yourself. I like the saying where that I've always said it too. Uh, you're the sum of your experiences, and that's true until you encounter Jesus. When you encounter Jesus, you're more than the sum of your experiences. You're, 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 it's a it's a it's a paradigm shift. You're not your past; you're your future. Amen. So, when you're not just the sum of your experiences when you give your all to Jesus. Amen. Yeah. We used to sing that song, I'd Surrender All. Yes. That doesn't mean just your sins. It means your bad decisions. Who's made bad decisions before? Yeah. I've made some horrific decisions. I look back and I'm like, what was I thinking? I should have had a V8. <laughs> 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 Who's had some bad blows in their life that just didn't seem fair? You can choose to hold on to those things and allow them to define you and cripple yourself spiritually. Yes. Or you could surrender them to God and say, you know what? No longer will my past define me. Thank you, Lord. But giving them to God. In my spiritual imagination, I I'm have a big imagination. I like getting up in the morning just I have a uh, sliding glass doors and look out over my backyard into the foothills and, up. and just, I love sitting there with a cup of coffee. I might have a Christian show on. I might have some worship music on. And I just like reflecting. And my spiritual imagination it is up to me to write the Bible, to write history. Jesus would going that jump that, off the cross and go, can't touch me. But that's not what the Bible says happened. The Bible says he died. Yeah. Right. We, we hear people say that. Oh, if Satan knew who Jesus was, was he would have told the, the guards, "Listen, anybody, leave him alone." That's, that's a false narrative, right there. The devil, Roman emperors, Roman guards, the 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 Pharisees, and that nobody had ruled over Jesus' destiny. It was all with the Amen. cross. That's right. Now he dies and they put him in the tomb. Now, in my imagination, that stone should have rolled away and he should have walked out perfectly. Look, I defeated death. That's not what he says. The Bible says the first one that saw he said, don't touch me. I have to go see my father. Now he goes before his father, the creator of all he didn't just take our sins, he took our hurts, he took our disappointments, he took the bad blows that we received, and he said, Dad, everything that would separate your children from you, I paid the price. Yes, you, and he put Him at the throne of God. Why are you holding on to something that he paid for already? Right? Now he appears before the disciples the way he described. He comes to the wall and all of a sudden Jesus is there. You would think he went before his father. He paid the price for everything. He's reconciled man with God so we could have a relationship with him. He's perfect. Yes. Now what the Bible says, he surrendered our hurts. We traded him the stars. It says he was starved. Yes. He said, go ahead and touch me. Go ahead, touch my side, touch my hand. When you trade in your hurts for sorrow, they serve as a witness. Your past no longer defines you, but your past serves as a catalyst for others to see. Look what God did in your life. Look what God did in his life. And then as you mature, you realize... That what you're going through in your journey is not even about you. As you mature in Christ, Amen. your situation yes. you. no longer defines you. Your relationship with Jesus defines your circumstances. Yes. Then, when that young man or young woman comes along that's going through a struggle, you go, "I understand." Look at my scars, but I made it because of my relationship with Jesus. Yes. So, I'm invited. I first get saved, my son was born to his intestines out of body. I tease him a lot. I'm glad he played football I and mean, he wrestled. He's healthy. Amen. But when he was born, I walked out of the hospital. They were inducing labor and uh, we knew it was a, a, a high-risk pregnancy. So every two weeks there was an ultrasound and we go in for an ultrasound and they say, we need to induce labor tonight because he's fully, his, he had gastrointestinal. His intestines were fully exposed. His kidneys were failing. Uh, so they induced labor. And I didn't leave the hospital to go to go uh, call my family. And as I walked out, my dad had just passed six weeks ago. And yet now six, seven weeks, and now my son being born. And as a PK, sometimes before you even pray, you call dad, you call mom, mom, pray, dad, pray. And I remember walking out of the hospital and I grabbed my phone and said, I got to call dad. gone. Even though I wasn't serving the Lord, I was so lost in the world, I was in a, I was uh, I was in trouble. And now my son's being born and I think he's gonna die. Like but the Holy Spirit shows up right on time. And he says it's time for you to be a man and pray for your own family. So I said a simple prayer as I walked in the parking lot. I said save my son. And I'll do my best to serve you the rest of my life. And the next morning, my son is born. And he, uh, he looks like he's a rag doll. I see him in the incubator, and I come out, and my sister's there with me. She said, How is he? And my response was, my faith was so weak at the time. I said, I can't afford a funeral. Well, they shipped him from Travis Air Force Base over to the Children's Hospital in Oakland, they, they take him over in and, and the incubator. And, my mom met, met the ambulance on the dock of the hospital. There's nothing like a mom that prays. Isn't there? Yeah, yeah. My cousin happens to work in the neonatal, uh, what do you call How do you say it? Neo? Yeah, nephew. There, there you go. That's a standard version. <laughs> <laughs> my cousin works there and he allowed my mom on the dock when they uploaded the incubator. And then my mom said, hold up. And she laid her hands on, on the incubator. A few hours later, I get to the hospital, I right? taxed over the permission to do surgery, and get to the hospital, and I'm still active, dude, Air Force. and the doctor comes out, the surgery's complete, he, he made it, we were able to get all his intestines back into his body, and, uh, but he won't be able to eat for a month, because when he handled the human intestines, they shut down, he won't be able to eat on his own for a month, and he'll be in the incubator for three months. And my mom looked at me, and she could see the stress. Nobody knows you like your mother. And my mind, I'm thinking, I don't have that much to eat. I'm not going to go back and forth from Patents to Oakland every day. And my mom just said a simple word. She said, that's what your medical book says. Amen. But our book says something different. Amen. Amen. Our book says God's God, Fifteen. He turned fifteen in January. The boy drives me nuts, but he's healthy. He, yeah. he plays. He, I tease him about football. He plays football. He's the smallest kid out there. Lightest kid, not the shortest, but he's the lightest kid, and he's serious, He'll take on the biggest guy. Uh, but I thank God for for him, my son. Yeah. 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 And then things got worse. I went on TVN and I spoke about reconciliation and marriages and with families. 83 million people saw me testify about healings and, and marriages and families. I got messages from around the world, literally emails from around the world, praise for my marriage, praise for my family. And then that marriage failed. And I, I get invited to a men's convention. And what, how, what do you do when your purpose seems to be taken away from you? See, I never stopped serving the Lord. I went through struggles. I've been through ups and downs. But as a kid, I would I fail, and then I would go, "Okay, I'm done. I won't go to church." I don't care what anybody really thinks about me anymore. I, I see His approval. Amen. You know, if, as Jack as I am. I see His approval. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like last night, we're doing this fundraiser for this kid, uh, this little boy with leukemia. It's in a banquet hall, a couple hundred people. They're drinking, they're having a good time. they is for a fundraiser, and I asked if you can, because I go up?" After the mother told me, "I go up." And some churchy, churchy people. Well, I don't like churchy, churchy people. I like a church in the school reaching out the grass roots. You know what I'm talking about? Churchy people ask me, "What am I doing in a room full of people drinking?" But at the end of that show, I go up in front of all of them and I say, "Mom, can I stay here." you know what, there's a lot of love in this room for this family. Everybody was there to support the family. And I said, and I, I believe what the Bible says, where two or three are gathered. Amen. And you see the people that were raised in the church, their heads snapped. You know, and I said, now if you, wherever your walk is with God, if you would just raise and hand, we prayed for the family right here where people have put their beers down to pray. And that, and that mother walked off the stage wiping tears. because so we had instead of just in you know, a room of people telling jokes and partying, we end up turning into a little prayer meeting at the end. That, that's that's my calling, to go with the darkness and take a little bit of light, you know. So now the marriage is in trouble, and I get invited to a men's convention. What you go through is not about you. I'll get back to that point. What you go through is not even for you. I met the man I'm supposed to warm up the audience uh, for Dion's pillow. I had his albums when I was a kid, so I was like, wow, what is this?" World? And then they called me as I'm crying up and they're going to know me and going to do worship. You're closing the service of your testimony. And I cried because my dad was a minister for four years. His testimony would blow people away. a heroin addict that was saved, instantly delivered from heroin addiction. Amen. No cross-step no program, no withdrawals, instantly delivered in prison. And went on to preach the gospel for four years. But yet he never had an opportunity to close out a convention, a men's conference with the assembly of for God. And hearing him am give giving this honor. And I, I, was, I questioned God. I was like, how you use a clown to do this? But I went and I was just obedient and I went. The devil right away would tell you, you're not worthy. That's the only time the devil would have you to be, is when he said, you're not worthy. And then the, the first time when I got invited to the convention, I, um, the devil was like one of those cartoons, jumped on my shoulder. And I started going, look at you, this silly club, he starts throwing my past in my face, he started just accusing me, and I start praying. And the way I'm talking to you is the way I pray. I talk, don't, don't put airs on when you talk to God. Speak right. to him with reverence, yeah, but he right. yourself, he's got colour ID, alright? He knows who you are. <laughs> don't think you can't express your hurts to God, that his shoulders are big enough to take the world of the world, the weight of the world on, he can take your hurt, okay? That's right. So the devil's accusing me. I'm like, this guy, knows you know, he's right. I'm not worthy. And I'm thinking in my moment of humbling myself before the Lord that. Give me a gentle little word. This was the most audible I've ever heard God. When I said I'm not worthy, he said I know. But it's not your story, it's my story. Go tell my story. So no matter what I go through, I keep getting up. I get knocked down, I get up, and I, I want to continue to tell the story. And that was the many and the comedy went well. There were 9,000 men there. Comedy went well. The testimony was received well. Um, and at the end, I have a simple invitation to the altar. I said, if, if you've never asked Jesus into your life, come up here to my right. If you want to renew your relationship, come here to my right. I like to pray with you, the minister will be here. But if you have need for prayer in your marriage, I want you to come over here on my left-hand side. Now here I am going through a struggle, but I know the purpose in my life. What I had been through wasn't for me. It was for the one young man that came forward. Eight, one, eight, one. He stood at the altar with his head down. And as I walked over to him, I had a given a word to speak to him. And I just whispered in his ear, I know what it's like to wonder where she's at at two in the morning. And that young man broke. He just started weeping. And I was able to pray with him and dinner. See, what I had been through wasn't for me. It was like a that young man, he's going to be alright. Give it to the Lord. What you go through in your life when you surrender it to Jesus is not for you.
0: You're
1: going to give away the hurt. And you're going to be left with the salt that serves God's kingdom. Amen. 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 Amen.
0: Thank you, Lord. I like that condition. I've go to Bible school for five years. Still don't have an (laughs) associate.
1: <laughs> the associates is 2 years degree. <laughs> to get stuck on Genesis. <laughs> in school, in the boarding, it did so different than when you are a young person. Right? And I learned about it. I like the definitions of little words, not big words. Anybody can learn big words. I like getting the true definitions of little words and the word scar. The last definition in the Webster's Dictionary for scar, I think it applies to us as believers in Christ. It, it's the scar for the in, in botany in plant life. And The definition is the last is formerly attached. I think that is so applicable to us as believers in Christ. What you did do in your past, I don't care what it was. When you surrender it to Jesus, you're formally attached. As long as you hold on to it, you got that bad branch. But when you give it to Jesus, that bad branch is taken away. You have a scar. But that scar serves as a witness to God's goodness, God's grace, God's love, God's mercy, God's healing power in your life. But it takes a willingness to say, Lord, I give you all. I give you the good. I give you the bad. I give you the ugly. Amen? Let's all bow our heads. let it's, 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 it's just stand and bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for this day when we come together to worship. We come together to laugh because we know that laughter is good medicine. That's what your word says. Yes. And we come together and we hear your word and your word speaks life to us, Lord. Yes. Thank you. if you're here today. If you're here today and uh, never asked jesus into your life and you find yourself just stuck you don't know who you are but you want your identity you say i want to know who i am because of what god i want a relationship with god i want to know what god has for me just raise your hand i'd love to pray with you right where you are right where you are just wave your hand amen and if you're here today say i've accepted jesus as my savior i've got these issues that i've held on to for a long time And the robbing me of every blessing that God has for me. If you're here, you want to surrender your issues. You want to surrender your past. Just raise a hand right where you are. I'd love to pray with you. And Lord, you've seen the honest hands that went up. And we thank you for this day, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we surrender our past. Lord, we surrender the hurts. We surrender the disappointments. We surrender the bad blows that have defined us. Right now. And we surrender up to you, Lord, and we pray healing on each and every one of these hearts that raise the hand, Lord. And for the marriages in this room, all over the room, Lord, I pray protection over each family, Lord. I pray healing, Satan in the name of Jesus. Get your hands off our families. They don't belong to you, they belong to, to Jesus. For those that raise their hands for salvation, that want a relationship with Jesus, we're going to say this all together. But for those that raise their hand, that act of raising their hands and saying, I want a relationship with my heavenly father, a celebration started in heaven. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. But we're all going to say this prayer together as you raise your hand you mean it from your side of your heart. Yes. And your name is written in the book of life. And you receive it. Yes. Yes. Let's all say this prayer together. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, want I want a relationship with you. I believe you are the Son of God.
0: I believe you are the Son
1: of God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you died for my
0: sins. I believe you rose on the
1: third day. I believe you rose on the third day. Today, Jesus,
0: Today, Jesus I ask
1: you to forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Today, Amen. I declare, you Jesus, I declare Jesus, you Jesus as my Savior. As my Savior. And I will do, I my do my best to follow you. To follow you. The rest of my life. The rest of my life. Amen. 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 And amen. amen. Okay. Now, real quick, one more point. You've got to struggle. Alright? When Jesus was asked, what did Follow him. He said, daily you must deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. What I like about that scripture, because most of the time it's preached oh, you gotta deny yourself. There's some truth to that. But the most important part about that scripture, he says, daily you must take up your cross. None of us have been crucified today, so what does that mean? You must pick up your issue. Everybody in here, from the pastor to the person busy, has an issue in their life. That's scriptural. Right? That wasn't a philosopher. That was Jesus saying, every day you have an issue, pick it up and follow me. He didn't say, when you're perfect, follow me. When you can walk on water, follow me. When you can raise the dead and kill the blind and do all these miracles like me, then you can follow me. He said, just as you are in your jacked-up skin, pick up your cross and follow me. That's right. So whatever issue you have, guess what? Just, just when you get over that issue, you're going to have another issue. My issue is my temper. My wife wants to pop me upside my head because of my temper. And I go, okay, Lord, I'm going to just keep going. It's easy to quit over the issue. But Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me, just mm-hmm. as you are. So when you struggle, when you stumble, you get up, you dust yourself off, and you keep going, okay? Accepting Jesus as your Savior doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you accept that you need to follow the perfect one. Amen. 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 amen? Don't give up. Keep following him, amen? God bless you. Thank you so much for having me. Amen.